Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. The title of our message this morning is Break All the Rules. Would you say that with me? Break all the rules. One more time. Break all the rules. Now, I don't know about you, but I never get overly inspired or excited when I hear about more rules. Is anybody with me? I grew up going to a small Catholic high school and middle school, and I remember that first day of every school year, I always dreading the moment when the teacher or the principal would begin to distribute the student handbooks. And it seemed like every single year, those handbooks were getting thicker and thicker and thicker. And I always dreaded hearing about the rules. And I'll give an obvious disclaimer this morning. When I talk about breaking the rules, I'm not talking about breaking California state law or the rules and commands of scripture. Obviously, we love those laws because they lead to life. But when I talk about breaking the rules this morning, what I'll specifically be referring to are cultural and societal norms. I'll be talking about the limitations that we subconsciously or consciously place on ourselves. I'll be talking about the expectations of the people around us. And one of the things I love about Jesus is he was the ultimate rule breaker. In fact, everywhere he went, he was constantly breaking the rules. One dark stormy night, the disciples are out at sea and off in the distance, they can see the image of something moving towards them. Suddenly they realize this is a man. No, this is Jesus, except he's not swimming in the water. He's not even riding in a boat. He's walking on the surface of the water. Now, 11 of the 12 disciples are flipping out, trying to process what it is they're taking in. But one of the disciples is quiet. And the reason he's quiet is because there's this question racing through his head. If the rules don't apply to Jesus, I wonder if the rules don't apply to me. And Peter asks the Lord if he could step out on the water. And without any hesitation at all, Jesus invites him to come and join him. And Peter begins to walk on the water, breaking the rules with Jesus. Now, apparently, Peter grows accustomed to this newfound rule-breaking lifestyle because it's not just a couple of weeks after Jesus' ascension that he's walking by the city gates. He sees a man lame from birth and tells the man, I don't have silver and gold, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise to your feet. And this man, paralyzed from birth, jumps to his feet and begins to run through the streets of the city. News starts to travel now. Peter's not like most men. He's not like ordinary men. The rules don't apply to Peter. And so they say, Peter, when you come to our town, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pull our sick from their homes and we're going to line them in the streets. Now, Peter, you don't need to lay hands on our sick. In fact, you don't even need to pray for our sick. All we want you to do is walk down the street. And the scriptures record as Peter simply walked down the streets of the city. His shadow touched the sick and they were instantly being healed. Peter became a rule breaker. In Matthew 17 verse 20, Jesus makes an amazing statement. He says, truly I tell you. Now, whenever he opens with these words, truly I tell you, he knows we might have difficulty receiving what he's about to say. So he says, let me be clear. I mean what I'm about to say. If you have faith as a seed, As a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain, move from here to there, and it would obey you. Nothing would be impossible for you. Now, you don't have to have a graduate degree in geology to know mountains don't relocate. So what is Jesus doing? He's actually extending an invitation 
to every single one of his followers for all of time to upgrade their standard of living to a place where the impossible and the possible become the same to them. He's giving us an opportunity to step into this rule-breaking, miraculous lifestyle. Now, what's amazing to me is Jesus didn't say, if you have faith like Abraham. He didn't say, if you have faith like King David. He didn't even say, if you have faith like John the Baptist. He said, if you have faith like a seed, and not just any seed, the tiniest of all seeds, it would be enough to step into a world where the rules don't apply to you. And really, the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is a collection of stories of men and women who uncovered this secret, that they didn't have to live confined by the same rules as everybody else. Now, this morning at Free Chapel, Orange County, I don't believe I'm talking to a normal group of people. I believe I'm talking to a room full of rule breakers, men and women who are not going to simply read history, but who are going to write history, people who are going to partner with God and release the impossible, supernatural, miraculous life he's destined them to live. Are there any rule breakers in the house this morning? Look at two people say, the rules don't apply to you. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, uh, we're going to take a slow walk through my favorite chapter in the book of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. The writer of Hebrews begins, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Now, I'm grateful that the writer of Hebrews doesn't just dive right in and tell us all the amazing things faith can produce in our life without starting with this simple, plain definition. He says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Now, for the sake of illustrations, I'll give you this mental model real quick. This right here, let's say this represents your world today. This represents your marriage today, your career today, where you're at in your personal pursuit of your calling today, everything happening in your world right now. But if you take a walk over here, this represents your place of promise. This is where your dreams are fulfilled. The secrets and desires of your heart are reality. The things that you've maybe never shared with anyone ever before. This is your place of promise. Now let me tell you what rule breakers do. Rule breakers regularly leave their present and they take a walk over here to their place of promise. And they actually stand in this place and they begin to envision and imagine what it will look like, what it would be like with their destiny complete, their vision a reality, their dreams finished. But they don't stop there. They begin to capture everything they can see and feel in this place. And then they start to drag it from their future all the way back here to their present. Until they have virtually the same emo emotion and excitement that those things in their future are already theirs right now. <clears throat> See, rule breakers have a problem. They have so much hope, they don't know what to do with themselves. The future where their dreams live is actually more real to them than the concrete reality around them. See, when I talk about hope, I'm not talking about empty wishes. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is the kids are down the hall and around the corner on Christmas morning, 
getting ready to go tear open the presents under the tree and they're down the hall jumping and bouncing off the ball uh, off the walls because they know what's coming on the other side biblical hope is joyful expectation of good biblical hope is confidence that it's already done and rule breakers walk with this confidence. They walk with this knowing that their future is theirs right now. Who are rule breakers? Number one, they carry the confidence that what they hope for will happen. As we continue in the text to Hebrews eleven four, it says, It was by faith Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks. Number two this morning, rule breakers still speak even when they're dead. Think about it for a moment. Abel lived thousands of years ago, but this morning in Irvine, California, we can still hear his voice. And when you purpose in your heart that you're not going to live confined by the same rules as everybody else, your life actually begins to create a legacy that communicates to future generations. Never forget uh, my grandfather telling me his story. At 35 years of age, he was married with five children in business with his brother. On the surface, everything looked perfect. But what most people didn't know is he was actually a prisoner to a 20-year-long gambling addiction. So consuming was this addiction that he was stealing from his brother, stealing from the company, and literally gambling away everything he had. One moment in utter and complete desperation, he crumbled to his knees in his living room floor and he simply cried out to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you're real, save me. Two weeks later, two ladies came knocking on the front door of my grandfather's house and invited him to church. He said, I'm a gambler. What do I have to lose? And so he got his wife, his five kids, went to church that morning, came back that Sunday night, responded to an invitation to receive Christ. And from that moment forward, never struggled with, with gambling addiction or alcoholism another day in his entire life. What's so amazing is for 50 years, he read the Bible every single morning for one hour. And he built one of the great companies in Metro Detroit and created this unbelievable legacy. But the, the amazing thing is, although he's no longer here, he passed a couple of years ago, I can literally still hear his voice. See, choosing to be a rule breaker isn't just about this moment and it's not even just about your life right now. It's actually about your great-grandchildren. It's actually about your children's children's children. You being a, a rule breaker will have effects for generations. I wonder if there's one person in the building this morning that's ready to bring Break out of the mold and step into the miraculous, impossible, rule-breaking lifestyle that Jesus makes available to us. As we continue to verse 7, it says, It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. Now think about Noah. God has this unbelievable conversation with him. Noah I'm hitting the reset button. The evil has gotten so pervasive, wicked, so far-reaching that we're starting over. And I need you to build a boat so large it can contain two of every species on the planet. If you're Noah, you got to think to yourself for a moment. He's probably thinking, God, now you know that I love you and I'll do whatever you want me to do. But can we please walk through this one more time? animals are going to march onto a boat and, and you're destroying the earth with rain. He has no reference point for rain. But the Bible says with only a word from God, 
Noah begins to prepare. Number three, rule breakers prepare for the impossible with only a word from God. I'll never forget at 26 years of age, I found myself in the office of the president of Honduras. Speaking to him, I said, Mr. President, I know that the nation is in pain. Unemployment's over 40%. They're calling this the world's murder capital because there's the highest homicide rate per capita than in any other nation outside of a war zone. But what if in part, Isaiah was speaking to this moment in your history, when in Isaiah chapter 66, verse eight, Isaiah the prophet asks the question, can a nation be saved in one day? I said, Mr. President, what if all of Honduras could be changed, could be healed, could be saved in one day, even one moment? I said, I believe that we have a vision called One Nation One Day, and it's to begin in your nation. We can only proceed if you would agree to these five things. And sitting across the desk from him, I said, number one, would you stand with me on Saturday, July 20, 2013, and together from the nation's capital in the Olympic Stadium, we'll speak to the entire country. Number two, would you pass legislation through your Congress calling One Nation One Day an official national holiday? Number three, would you open up every public high school in the entire nation and allow our short-term missions teams to come do a one-hour school-wide assembly with an altar call at the close? Number four, would you open up the ports and borders and allow us to ship 18 container loads of humanitarian aid and books without any taxes or hang-ups at the borders? And number five, and this was the big request, would you give us the 18 largest stadiums and the capital cities of all 18 states? at no cost to us. Now, I didn't know what the president was going to say, but at the end of the meeting, he signed a resolution committing to all five of those things. Six months later, the bill passed unanimously through Congress and it became law in the country. And I'll never forget, I, I walked into that meeting. I thought, who should I bring with me? I'm going to bring my father-in-law. He's 60 years old, silver hair, one of those wise, methodical, cerebral kind of leaders. He's been a senior pastor for 40 years. This is the man to bring into the meeting. We step out of the meeting and I say, Pastor Dennis, I, I mean, I literally wanted to do backflips down the street. I was so excited. I said, could you believe what the president just committed to? He takes this deep breath, puts his hand on my shoulder and he says, now, Dominic, I know you're excited about what the president just committed to, but do you realize what you just committed to? He said, you just told that man you're going to bring 2,000 missionaries to his nation. He knows the largest team I'd ever brought was 200. And to bring 200, I had invited everyone I'd ever met in my entire life. He said, how are you going to go from 200 to 2,000? And then he said, you just told that man you're going to bring millions of dollars in aid. How are you going to procure millions of dollars in aid and then raise the funds to ship it down? And then finally, 18 simultaneous stadium outreaches in the same day, in the same moment. I can't even wrap my head around the logistics of that. Why don't you start with two in one day? All of a sudden, I felt the weight of the world falling on my shoulders. But you know, we believed we'd heard a word from God and we began to prepare I'll never forget calling all the commercial airlines and United American Delta. Everybody said, sorry, we can't accommodate your groups. It's peak travel season. So I started calling the charter companies. The charter companies, most of them wouldn't return our phone calls. Finally, I found a company that owned the massive Boeing 747, the double-decker jet. And I'll never forget, with only a word from God, laying down deposits, negotiating the terms of the contract. And I'll never forget sitting on the front of this plane with Lindsay packed full of missionaries. 
on the first of three trips to shuttle the largest missions team in history down to, to Honduras. And I told Lindsay, I said, Lindsay, I was so nervous 18 months ago to pay for my flight and your dad's flight and the cameraman's flight. Here we've just chartered a 747. I never want to live confined by the same rules ever again. And what was so stunning is 12 months later, we, we reached 1.1 million people with the gospel in that one week. And 12 months later, I'm sitting with the new president. He said, I was there in the Olympic Stadium. He said it was the most spectacular moment in our nation's history. Violence has diminished nationwide by 38.2%, 75% in San Pedro Sula. He said, we have a brand new nation. I believe all across this room there are people that are carrying words from heaven. God deposited them in your spirit. And I'm here to tell you what my youth pastor told me every single week when I was in high school that carried me through the season. If all you have is a word from God, then a word from God is all you need. I believe there are people in the room that's all you have is a word from God. But I want to tell you today, if a word from God is all you have, a word from God is enough. Begin to prepare. Begin to position. Just like trapped inside of an acorn is the capacity for an oak tree. I believe just by virtue of the fact that the seed of vision is in your heart, it's proof you have what it takes to manifest it. Just by virtue of the fact it's there, it's proof that God put it inside of you, that you have what it takes to partner with him and release it from the invisible to the visible, from the unknown to the known, from the impossible to the possible. Are there any rule breakers in the building this morning? I believe with all my heart we're standing in a new era as the body of Christ. I believe that we've just stepped into the best decade in ministry history since the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the start of the early church. I believe this is actually the time for the people of God right now. And there's a global promotion available to the church in this season. Yeah. When Christ gave us our mandate, when he gave us the Great Commission, I don't believe it was just a mobilization mandate. If that were the case, Jesus might have said, go into all the world and add converts. But you know he didn't say that. He actually said, go into all the world and disciple nations. Now think about that. If I'm going to disciple an individual, I have to purpose in my heart to lead that individual. But he didn't just tell me to disciple individuals. He said, disciple nations. Implicit in that command is that we would actually lead nations. And that's why it's time for the people of God to be found in the highest offices of government. That's why it's time for the people of God to be found in mass media communications. That's why it's time for the people of God to be found shaping culture and... and in, in Hollywood. That's why it's time for the people of God to be found everywhere, leading everybody, because we have been given a mandate to lead. Gone are the days of us hiding in our churches. Jesus didn't say hide and wait. He said, go and take territory. How many people know we're not waiting for Jesus to come down? He's waiting for us, the people of God, to rise up. He's waiting for us to assume our rightful place. He's waiting for us to take territory. It's, a, it's actually our moment. Think about it. The Bible says before Jesus ascended, what did he do? He first descended. And what did he do? He captured the keys of authority back from the enemy. Then holding the keys of authority in his hand, he handed them to his church and said, go lead the world. He said, all authority has been given back to me in heaven and on earth. So now you go lead nations, disciple nations, bring transformation. Go lead everyone everywhere and release my kingdom. 
I believe this is the time for us to step into and stand into that place. Finally, in verse 11, it says, it was by faith Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and too old, she believed God would keep his promise. So a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. Think about this one. God tells Abraham, I need to come into covenant with one human being as a model for all of humanity, for all of time. So here's what's going to happen, Abraham. I'm going to bless you. In fact, I'm going to bless you so outrageously, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you famous. You're going to be known throughout the earth. How many people would be excited with the word from God like this? So Abraham receives the word with joy. But then one year passes and Sarah is barren. Five years pass, she can't have a baby. 10 years, no baby. 20 years, no descendant. 30 years, 40 years, 50. Now Abraham is 100 years old. He's physically incapable of reproducing. And what does God say? He says, perfect timing. And Sarah conceives. The Bible says he was unwavering in his faith believing God would keep his promise. And in that, he br- his faith brought great glory to God. See, as we even sit in this room this morning, we all know what the rules say. The rules say if we grew up in an abusive environment, then we'll never be able to have healthy relationships. But how many people know the rules don't apply to us? We know the rules say if we grew up in poverty, we'll never be able to get ahead financially. But how many people know the rules don't apply to us? We know the rules say if we've made massive mistakes in our, fast, in our past, it would keep us and hold us back from a huge future. But how many people know the rules don't apply to us? If the rules didn't apply to Jesus, then the rules actually don't apply to us. Rule breakers don't confine themselves to logic. They don't confine themselves to their own limiting beliefs. They actually recognize that Jesus is inviting them into something greater. And what's amazing is when we learn to get alone with God and say to the Lord, Lord, I don't know that I have the faith like, like Pastor Jensen or Pastor Ben, or I don't know that I have the faith like the author of that book, but Lord, this is what I do have. And in this moment, I give you the authentic, innocent, childlike trust of my heart. Jesus turns back to us and says, That's actually all I need. Let me take you from where you are and bring you to where I want to take you. I want to be clear this morning. There's not one detail of your life that's a mistake. Every aspect about you was on purpose. You didn't come from your parents. You came through your parents from the mind and heart of God. You were a dream in his mind and in his heart, and he wrapped a body around that dream and sent you to the earth with a purpose. And every single aspect of your life was on purpose. From your ethnicity, to your height, to even the womb that carried you, your family of origin, every detail on purpose, because it was connected to what you were supposed to bring to the earth. The Bible says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. That word fearfully speaks of a master artist, fearful to make even the slightest mistakes. When God finished with you, he said masterpiece, and he sent you to the earth. So we don't need to get our validation or what 
we're supposed to be or look like from Vogue magazine or GQ or anybody else. How many people know Jesus actually said masterpiece? And he said, I've brought you to, I'm sending you to the earth to release my purpose, to release something that will cause the world to take notice. So Jesus did never want us to hide. He said, I actually want you to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Let the whole world see you and glorify my father in heaven. That was always his desire. And I believe as the church right now, we are, we are in, a, in a unique moment in history where he's saying, I want to move on my people and through my people like never before. And the fruit of transacting with God, the byproduct of transacting with God is an impossible, miraculous life. Is there anybody in the room this morning that was ready to step into that rule-breaking lifestyle? All across the room, would you just stand to your feet with me this morning? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.